0: up guys welcome to another episode of perfection unfolding with me Kara G how the hell are we happy monday happy mlk day um you know happy in the sense that you know he helped a lot of people do a lot of good things unhappy in the sense that a lot of things are still messed up and america still has more to do but that's not what the show is about the show is about you and me and bettering ourselves, um, on a personal individual level. It's taking care of the micro so that we can better plug into the macro and all that jazz. <laughs> um, I actually didn't work today. So my day consisted of, um, self-care and it was like a total self-care day today. Um, I woke up, I went to bed early last night. I woke up early today, um, you know, before nine o'clock and everybody else was awake. I had done my yoga session and I I think I ate breakfast. I don't remember. Well, I did my yoga session in the morning, about 20 minutes. And then I wrote in my journal and then I went to the coffee shop and got myself a decaf latte as a little treat, read my book, just spent the day self-caring to the nth degree, which it's way easier to self-care on a day when you don't work than it is to self-care on a day that you do work. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But, um, you know, I'm trying to be better in that sense. I'm trying to
1: stick to my, my goals and my, um, just the things, just the things that I, that I said I would do. Right. And also I'm looking at my podcast
0: script. Aha, there it is. Got it. So all that being said, let me not ramble too much. I will say I am told myself I was going to go to bed early tonight and it took me way longer to write up the script slash show notes for the show today. So I am not going to speed through, but I'm just going to keep in mind the time. Um, but that being said, again, how are you? I hope you guys are enjoying, have enjoyed your weekend. It's Tuesday. So I guess technically yesterday was MLK Day. My bad. Um i got some life updates. Okay. First
1: of all, this first one, I
0: implemented today. Like I, I tried today. Life update. I listened to 40 Hertz binaural beats today while I was writing up these show notes, while I was researching and while I was figuring out what I was going to talk about today. And holy shit, I've heard about this and I've heard about like the conspiracy theory that like pop music back in the 60s all started making their music in 42 hertz or something like that. And, you know, that's how it's considered the devil's music because apparently 40 hertz aligns with our energetic frequency as like humans. So it feels, again, more in alignment with like our natural rhythms and and flow and energy, which a lot of church hymns are written in 40 hertz. That's why like church hymns feel so like, Peaceful and like spiritual, and like you feel so connected when you're in church because it, but like the music has a lot to do with that, right? Like praise music makes you feel some type of way because it's apparently in this 40 hertz uh frequency, whereas like 42 hertz is apparently supposed to be like out of frequency, so it's never quite in alignment. So it's like that's why you know rock music feels so like edgy and sharp and like rah, because it like literally is. In a different frequency than what it than what our energetic bodies are. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist, but like I, I think all that stuff about you know the devil's music, you know, it's a bit dramatic. However, there is something to be said about the frequency that is like with their energetic body. Did I do any research to back up these these uh, these points? No, I did not. But I can say that I've heard about 440 hertz binaural beats. I know that people that's like the frequency that sound baths are at. When you do like sound therapy, um, it's like the music that, it's like the frequency that gives you goosebumps because it's in alignment. Um, And listening to the beats today, like the music, like I, I literally just Googled 40 Hertz music on Spotify and all these playlists popped up and I clicked on the very first one and I spent an hour and a half straight just writing. Con- just like free flow consciousness writing. And all this stuff was coming up about like what I'm going to talk about today, um, about, you know, inner child and creativity and all this stuff. And I was just like, Whoa. And I was making connections through my writing that I hadn't even made cognitively yet. Like the stuff that was just like coming from my unconscious mind to the forefront. It was crazy. And I feel so silly for never implementing this before. Like, where was this in college? You know? <laughs> Granted, I didn't get a smartphone until my sophomore year of college, so I wasn't even on the Pandora train, right? Let alone Spotify. <laughs> but um, crazy, like 10 out of 10 recommend, like, and I almost feel like when I was listening to it, that I was listening to what the sounds, it's like, basically if, if nature was a DJ, like this is the music it would make if it was a producer. It just sounded so relaxing and so peaceful and like I was tapping into... And to a frequency that I'm just not, I don't ever hear, right? I don't ever, unless I'm outside, I guess, but it was dope. I was like 400 Hertz, binaural beats, 10 out of 10. I will be listening to you again. Um, Another life update. I am back on my no sugar, no dairy game. Um, The last, you know, month and a half, I've been here for, as of January 11th, I've been here for one full month. So it's, it's the 16th today. So it's been a little over a month, and two weeks before I even got here, I was like eating cheese, eating sugar, eating the dairies, like making exceptions for desserts here and there. And guess what? My legs and my arms and my tum tum—they all—they're showing all all the dairy and the sugar that I've been eating. So I'm a little thickums right now, but again, it's winter, like I said last time, and uh, it's okay. Okay, hibernation you're going to get a little plump. All right. Um but that being said, like I am over it. Like I am over it. Like I've indulged, I've overindulged. It's time to not indulge anymore. It's time to discipline and restrict to a degree that makes sense for my mental, physical, emotional health. So that's what I'm doing. And I'm very proud of myself. It's been about uh, a week. I think I started last Sunday with the no sugar, no dairy, and I'm already seeing results in terms of like less inflammation in my body less fluff, <laughs> less cravings. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm pretty sure last week I like went hard in the paint when it came to like sugar replacements like Stevia and um keto chocolate bars. Cause you know, when you're feeding, you're feeding. And I'm like, let me just, I'm going to give into my cravings by buying this keto ice cream, but at least it's keto, you know, is it my favorite thing to do? No. Is it, is it a good replacement? Also? No. Like No sugar is good sugar unless you're, unless you're like eating honey and dates and stuff, which is what I'm doing now. Okay. So I'm, my, my thing is like, I'm still going to eat the, the glucose, but I'm going to make sure it's coming from natural sources. And I'm also going to try not to overindulge because I do have a glucose sugar addiction. It's, I have an addiction. That's what exactly what it is, but I'm proud of myself because I'm back on that train. I feel good. And with that, I've been getting more sleep. I've been going to bed earlier. And because I've been going to bed earlier and um, really leaning into this like discipline is freedom mantra um, and also my creativity must persist. Like those are the two mantras like I know I said a bunch uh, a couple shows shows ago, but discipline is freedom and creativity must persist are like my two major, major mantras slash major keys for for my this period of time in my life to the point where like as I keep adding like the more sleep I get, it's like the next day I feel more empowered to stick to my other goals, like my sweating in the morning, my reading and my writing. And I've been slowly habit stacking all those things on top of each other to the point where finally, I'm I'm finally at the point where I'm adding in exercise again. Again, I work slow and steady. I am a slow and steady wins the race kind of girly, okay? Sustainability is my number one priority. And and so I've been writing every day. I've been reading every day for 20 minutes. Um, and now I'm adding back in the sweat aspect of my 2020 self-care regimen. And not only am I doing in like and I'm also I've also decided that 2020 is like my failing grade. Like that is the minimum requirement of reaching my self-care goal every day. Like minimum requirement writing for 20 minutes minimum requirement reading for 20 minutes, minimum requirement sweating for 20 minutes. I had been weightlifting the last two days. And today I was like, today's going to be my active recovery rest day. So today I woke up and did yoga for 20 minutes. And I, sw- I did, I sweat a lot. No, but I sweat a little bit. That counts. That's 20 minutes. That's my minimum, like passing anything underneath that is failing. So that's like my new thing I'm implementing. And so I'm excited. I've, I bought a yoga mat, like literally when I got here a month ago, And I brought my kettlebell with me and I'm finally using it. And honestly, like my body, it's a 35 pound kettlebell. You guys like, it's not that much weight, but my body is so like, just sad right now because I haven't used her at all in the last month and a half that I did some, like some RDLs and like Russian deadlifts just with my 35 pound kettlebell, like glute focused RDLs. And it hurts to sit on the toilet today. Like, wow. I am so atrophied at the moment. But you know what? You have to start somewhere. And also I saw something somewhere on the internet that was like, beginner weightlifters build muscle the fastest. And so I'm like, you know what? That's right, bruh. I'm going to build this muscle the fastest or faster than the people who've already been weightlifting. And that gives me some kind of like, yeah, you know? Yeah, that's right. It's not for nothing. I'm going to build up this booty, whether I like it or not. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. So those are some life life updates. Binaural beats. I'm back on my no sugar, no dairy. Um, Obviously, this is the health coach uh, part of the show, I guess. Um, And also, I'm back on my like 2020 self-care regimen. Um, What did I write in here? I said, I kicked it up a notch. I'm no longer making excuses for myself. Uh, The more I prioritize my sleep, the more I feel capable of stacking my habits and/or increasing my capacity to do them more thoroughly. That is a major key. I have been giving myself a lot of slack because I moved, I moved, and I had a breakup, and like I lost my job. Like I've been going through a lot, and again, still persisting through my everyday life, even today. Like (laughs) still think about all that stuff all the time. However the more i lean into the self care stuff but for my physical vessel the more i feel capable of le- of like doing it better so i've been kind of just i've kind of had a bare bones self care routine like i've been bare bones you know writing in my journal i that's the one thing that i've been sticking to it's writing in my journal every single day my morning pages my three three pages every day no matter what happens no matter what time of day it is like i make sure i do that that's been my one thing right so i'm like out of the twenty, 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 at least I'm doing twenty. Like that was my that was my failing grade before, right? And then I started adding the reading in the, over the last couple of weeks. And I've been feeling really good about that. I'm just like, wow, I'm learning so much. My brain's going crazy. Um, I feel so much more inspired and I feel more capable like the with with dealing with things the more information that I ingest. whether that's a trauma response or not, I don't know, but it helps me. Um so then I added, I stacked that second 20. I was like okay, hey, 20, 20, 20, at least I'm doing 40 of it, right? 40 of the 60. And so then finally, two days ago, I was like, you know what? I've been sleeping, I've been getting qual- high quality, deep sleep for like four-ish days. If I hadn't been doing that, I wouldn't feel capable of adding on this last 20. But because I had, because I showed up for myself and discipline and sleep, and I adding that into my my habit stacking. It's like I automatically, as soon as I was done, I had my period last week. So as soon as I was done with my period, I was like, yes, I can, I feel the surge of energy coming back into my, back into my body. I'm going to use this to my advantage so that I started stacking that third 20 back onto my self-care regimen. So I finally feel like I'm getting back into a routine. Like I'm, I'm showing up for myself in like some real ways. And, um, it's not that my grief is getting smaller, but it's just, I'm becoming better friends with it, I suppose, (laughs) you know, like it's, it still takes up a lot of space in my mind, but I can function a lot, a lot better now because like the big, the big wave of emotions is kind of settling into just kind of like lapping up onto the shore. You know, it's still happening, it's still there, but it's just kind of a part of my daily life now. And that's just kind of how, grief works, I guess. Um, but yeah, you know, you got to learn how to play, put your toes in in the water, I suppose. I, I don't know. Terrible analogy. Um, on top of all of that, some good fun news is that today, Monday, so not, not today, Tuesday, as in when you're listening to this, but today when I recorded this was my 100th day of writing in my journal, of writing my morning pages, which is so freaking cool because it's the 10th episode I'm recording my 10th episode it's my 100th day of writing in my my journal I finished my journal so I finished the last page of my last entry like of in my journal like of the last page of my journal
1: um this morning and it just felt like such I don't know it just felt so poetic um and
0: I don't know, uh, satisfying. It felt so satisfying and gratifying. Like I finished up my, this is my, my second full journal I filled up with morning pages. So my, I filled up uh, one journal with morning pages. This is my second full journal of morning pages. And I'm going to start my third one tomorrow. So I don't know. It just feels like, you know what is a hundred you know what what is the significance of a hundred? Nothing unless you give it significance and the significance to me is like the fact that that's a hundred days of me inquiring about myself that's a hundred days of me showing up even on days I didn't want to. That's a hundred days of documentation of my human experience, which I think is so cool and and that's something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time, which leads me into my gifts of gratitude section. Which, if you're in a seated position or if you're in a space where you can sit, find a comfy spot on your bed, on a chair, sit up nice
1: and tall. And I want you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable. And I want you to take three deep breaths with me. Ready? Inhale and exhale. And inhale. And exhale. And last one. And just take a second. Think about all the things that have happened today, yesterday, last week things you're looking forward to, that you're grateful for. They can be small things. They can be big things. Okay. I wanted to take the time with you because I could feel myself getting excitable. And um, today was just a really good day. I'm grateful for today, just to start things off. Like, I cried so much
0: today, <laughs> and I know for most of you, you'd think, "Oh, crying isn't usually means you had a bad day." But for me, that's just not the case. Like today was the first day I've cried happy tears in a really long time, um, and maybe that's not even true. But it's just the it's been a long time since I can remember the last time I cried happy tears. I've been crying a lot of sad tears, and so it's just cool. Like going back to what I was saying before we took those breaths was just like a hundred days of showing up for myself. Like I'm so proud of that. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for clarity. Like I, today I read chapter nine of the artist's way and holy shit, it did it again. Like this book, I don't know what is in this book, but it is just resonating so deeply with me and I'm taking my time reading it. Um, Because I don't want it to end. (laughs) And it also just feels like every time I open it up, I read the words that I need to hear every single time. It's like, yes, it's a 12 week course. I'm taking way longer than 12 weeks to finish it.
1: But oh my God, like today I read the chapter on recovering a sense of compassion. And And like based off what I wrote, what I what I wrote today, and what we're going to talk about
0: today, like it's exactly what I needed to read. That like that like trigger all the stuff that just came flowing out of my body. Um, like I said before, I'm grateful for a hundred days of morning pages and finishing another journal. Like I wrote in here, these morning pages have totally transformed my life. I'm so grateful I can go back and read my own written word and relive all the human experiences I've had in the last 100 days, 100 plus days, because that's just a hundred days of writing my morning pages in this stint of my morning pages. Like I've tried to do this work like one or two times before this, before actually committing. So there's like 13 pages in one stint and there's like four pages in another. So I've got a hundred plus days of like documenting my human experience and exactly what I was thinking. All the heartbreak, the love, the laughter, the gratitude, the wisdom. I feel incredibly blessed and so, 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 so proud of myself for doing what I said I would do and for documenting my life. Like documenting my life has been a goal of mine for such a long time and I'm finally doing it. Um, My mom told me when I was a kid, like I should start journaling because she wishes she would have journaled when she was a kid because she doesn't remember her life. And that is so true for me. Like I don't remember my life before three years ago, four years ago college is a blur. High school is a blur. Like junior high, a blur. Elementary school, forget about it. (laughs) My friend Preja makes so much fun of me because uh, she'll, whenever we hang out, she'll talk about like, we've been best friends since we were about 12. And she'll tell me about an experience that happened in junior high or high school. And I have no recollection about it. And she's telling me about myself, no recollection. And so like, it just means so much to me that I've, I've taken, I've given myself this gift of If I don't remember, like I'll remind myself because I'll go back and I'll read, you know, because I documented it and that's just so special to me. Um, I also wrote in here, as someone who is incredibly sentimental and who loves experiencing the full spectrum of human emotion, this is one of the creative projects I will hold closest to my heart and as a practice I will continue doing for the foreseeable future. Like I, now that I've done this practice for this long, like I can't see me not doing it. Like there have been, there's probably been a total of... two-ish weeks total of days that I've missed um writing, but never more than one day apart. Like I've only had one I think there's one instance where there was two days in between journal entries. And that week I was just so lost. And as soon as I got back to my journal entries, I was like, oh there I am. Found ya. There you are. Hey girl, how's it going? You know? So like I just it has been I know I spoke about this in episode six when I spoke about the artist's way, like, and I'm going to talk about the artist way more in this episode because I just cannot get over how helpful it has been for me. Like, it's crazy. Like I would be doing you a disservice talking about tools that have helped me if I didn't talk about <laughs> the artist's way, like, holy shit. Um, and I even journaled about this week about how like I'm reading the life leap or the, uh, the big leap that I spoke about in last week's episode and how It's helpful in like, in giving language to like my upper limits and now I can, in like my zone of genius and my zone of excellence and giving a vocabulary to that, that experience, but like specifically in, 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 um, noticing my upper limits and how to, how to, um, work through them and like talk myself through them, but what's not as helpful for me is like the language of zone of genius zone of competence zone of excellence like that's harder for my mind to wrap its head around because because i have like a hang up on the word genius like i have a hang up on zone of genius for some reason and um but i don't have a hang up on creativity right and your zone of genius is directly correlated to your creativity like that's what i've gotten from reading the artist way and the big leap is that like The more you play and the more you lean into your creativity, the more you are going to be in your zone of genius. Like that is essentially what he's saying in The Big Leap. But the examples that he gives, um, as I've been reading it more, um, they have to do with a lot of like high up executives in their zone of excellence, right? Like they're in their zone of excellence and they're not happy because they're not in their zone of genius. And like, I'm someone who's not even in my zone of excellence yet. You know, like I'm not a CEO who's burnt out at my job. Like. (laughs) And no offense to the big leap. It's still very helpful. I mean, I did a whole episode on how how it could help others and how it's helped me, but it's just it's also important for me to note that like the way people say things affects how you interpret it so and it's important for me to acknowledge the fact that the artist's way language, like coming at my finding my zone of genius through creativity and the language that she uses in the artist's way, it's like it's more of a spirituality based you know, approach, which, which resonates with me and how I operate versus like a more logical approach, like, right. Written by a man, like whereas Julia Cameron is a woman. Like it makes a difference in how I'm receiving the information. It's the same information to a degree. And I'm, I'm kind of, and like I've said before, like I cherry, I've cherry picked what's helpful out of the big leap and I'm cherry picking what's helpful out of the artist's way. The artist's way, just for whatever reason is like, Resonating with me in every single way, and so I encourage you to do the same thing, like just because a book says, you know one good thing doesn't mean that everything in it is going to help you, right? Take what resonates, leave what doesn't. Cherry pick is kind of has a kind of a negative connotation, but in the way that I'm using it in the context I'm using it, I think is helpful um when it comes to things that resonate with how you learn and the language you speak, right um that being said i am grateful for 40 hertz music like lol that shit is a game changer i will i will be listening to that every time i'm trying to be productive like forever from now on <laughs> um i felt like i was listening to heaven it was incredible um i'm grateful for my discipline and for my creativity and for my curiosity um i can feel myself powering up in the way that i was hoping i would right um a big theme for me that's kind of been reoccurring over the last week or so is having faith and not like, not necessarily like God faith or whatever, like in that context, in a religious context, but just having faith that like, I know what I'm doing. Having faith that trusting my process, <laughs> you know, and I'll get into a little bit of that uh, here in a little bit. But last thing I put on my list is, um, I'm grateful for repairing relation repair in relationships and the power of hard communication. Um, I was originally going to make this episode about repair and relationship, but I'm decided to boost that, um, to episode 11 because once I, once I sat down and just started free writing, free flow writing today, I realized, Oh, like repair is not, is not today's episode topic. Like it's totally
1: different. So that being said, um, the topic of this week is
0: basically reconnecting with your inner child and doing that through creativity, but also reconnecting with your creativity through connecting with your inner child slash your inner artist. Um, And I've got some personal thoughts here that will kind of make it make more sense. I did not go through and edit any of this writing. This is straight up free flow like journal entry writing. And I wanted to keep it as raw as I could to A, show you an example of what it's like to write morning pages. This was not necessarily my morning pages entry, but I approached this the same way that I do my morning pages. It's just like free flow thought, like unstructured. And and what I think it's an example of is it's I'm having a, a conversation with my what I would call my higher self which I've spoken about in other episodes and also my inner child at the same time it's like I'm kind of talking about my my inner child through the lens of my higher self and I'm using my higher self because I am just like free flow writing so it's like my it's like my subconscious coming to my conscious through this writing and I made a lot of connections in just in this journal entry alone because I've been I've been struggling recently with like what the fuck I'm doing, and like who the fuck I think I am, and what I'm actually good at and if I'm even good at anything and I get into some of that in this writing and so but today's but today's episode is about how your your inner artist, like the work I, I'm doing in the artist's way is literally just your inner child, it's your inner creative child, and how the work how inner inner child healing and inner artist healing are the same thing essentially it's you get to the same result depending on which direction you come from and I'm just gonna and I'm gonna share with you my personal thoughts and my anecdotal like thoughts and kind of just what I've been going through recently that kind of got us to this topic so here we go and if it's all over the place I'm not sorry all right this is it's a part of the process I'm trusting the process okay okay here we go Section 1: Recent doubts and self-reflection. I've been dealing with lots of doubts recently. Doubts about my capabilities, doubts about my actual value, my value add in the world. I've been questioning what I'm even good at and if I even if I'm even meant to be pursuing coaching or photography or graphic design or any of the other things I've done to make money up to this point. After a conversation with mom, asking her what I'm good at and what she sees me thriving in, I realized I keep approaching my creativity through the lens of capitalism. It's like every time I think about what I love to do, I have this capitalistic lens blocking my view and seeing my greatest potential. That is one of my upper limits. Childhood creativity and money motivation. It's so ingrained in me to think, how will this make me money? That I have a hard time even letting myself have an honest conversation about what I enjoy. Like what the hell? I can't. I can't even. Blah, blah, blah. I can remember even as a kid being incredibly money motivated. Like, I would think of all the different ways I could make enough money to be able to buy what I wanted at the dollar store, or even that extra ice cream at lunch in elementary school. I would make friendship bracelets and keychains. I would sell candy, Kool Aid, and Girl Scout cookies. Even in high school, I remember decorating pens and ID cards for my friends for extra cash. When I think about it, it's hard for me to remember making anything just for the sake just for the sake of it past the second grade. My creativity has always been money motivated. I learned photography to make extra money in
1: college and did the same thing with graphic design. Reconnecting with inner child and creative authenticity. And even though I danced for
0: fun when I was a kid, I still did it for validation from my peers. I did it cuz I enjoyed it but stuck with it because it gave me purpose and a place to belong. It's sad to me and something I've been unknowingly running into as I dive deeper into this work to unblock my creativity. I think I'm so fascinated with it because it's something that seems so far away that I'm deeply longing for. Honestly, I didn't even put two and two together until right now, writing all this out. When I was in second-ish grade, I remember making my own homemade magazines cutting out celebrities from US Weekly and gluing them to a hand-cut booklet I stitched together out of cardboard, printer paper, and multicolored yarn. I'm crying thinking about it. I once made the same kind of booklet out of the same material, only I deemed it my quote-unquote autograph book. I made all the people in my life sign it. Friends, family, siblings, schoolmates, Any and everyone who crossed my path, I made them all sign it just in case they were ever famous, so then I could say I had their autograph. I also used to write plays about my aunt's cats on the dial-up computer at my granny's house. My brother and I used to write plays and act them out in her yard using leaves as furniture props. We'd create blocking and dialogue and perform in the yard for my family during holiday get togethers, usually around Thanksgiving. I don't remember how many of these I made or where they went, but I remember them. I'm remembering them. They say your inner artist is really just your inner child. I've been working so hard to connect to my inner child over the last few years, and I'm delighted at how much trust and progress I've made in building back our relationship. It's just wild to me that even though I've intellectually known that creativity is play, I'm only just now reconnecting to that part of me. The part of me that creates just for the sake of it, without judgment, without an agenda, without the pressure of making money. I used to do that all the time. And even though I've pursued artistic endeavors since then, the pressure and agenda of those pursuits, I've realized, have canceled out the pure creativity of it. I was making all those things for ego purposes, for money and validation. I was making them for adult me. Void of any real creativity. It's why I felt like such a fraud artist. It's why I feel so uncomfy calling myself an artist. I see why others see me as such, but to be honest, I haven't made an art in my I
1: haven't made any art in my adult life yet. But yet is my lifeline. Yet I can work with. Yet
0: is me making these connections now and having the courage to move forward with it. Yet gives me hope that my inner child hasn't given up on me. Because I know she's in there begging to come out and play. I just haven't had the capacity to trust
1: her yet. I haven't had the confidence to let her try and fail, or even more frightening, to try and succeed. My adult
0: ego brain has bills to pay and has convinced herself that if she keeps pretending to art for money, she'll find happiness and peace and the life she's always longed for. She thinks she'll be able to perform and pretend her way into a creative life. But she's learning now that she can't. I can't because it doesn't work that way. What I'm running into as I try to create a brand and a business and make this quote unquote big leap into my career. Is a total lack of connection to my creativity, to my inner knowing in this area of my life. I'm in the process of creating a new life with no ability to tap into my actual creativity due to the blocks and upper limits I put in place over 20 years ago. I'm frustrated I have those blocks, but I'm realizing it takes time to unblock. Hopefully, not 20 years worth of time, but I'm having to massage the knot I've created to protect myself from success from real fulfillment and happiness, because not knowing my creativity and what it's capable of is terrifying. It scares the shit out of me. My whole life, I thought I was an imposter, lazy, a procrastinator, untalented, when really I've just been scared shitless to be seen. To be seen trying, to be seen failing, or even succeeding. I thought, well, if I don't really try, then I'll only fail at something I never really liked or put effort into anyway. But to try and succeed what I really desire, to try and succeed that I to try and succeed at something that I really desire, that I'm actually passionate about. Jesus, that's always been a big no thank you for me. That is until now. Now I have the courage to pursue what I'm truly passionate about. Only I have no idea what that passion is at the moment, (laughs) which is crazy. When practice and awareness and patience and kindness and curiosity, it is slowly unfolding in front of me though. With all those things, it's slowly unfolding in front of me though. Each time I show up for myself in all the ways I truly desire, I've noticed a piece of me, my inner artist, my inner creative child reveals themselves to me.
1: And every time they share, I break down and cry because they're the most beautiful thing. They've been the most patient with me, adult me, watching, waiting,
0: and wanting to be seen and heard and appreciated and counted on. They've been looking for a place to belong.
1: Every time
0: I sit with them and let them showcase their gifts, they light up knowing that they finally found a place in me they feel at peace they feel in flow and all that energy is then passed on to me adult me and i find and i finally feel seen and heard and validated and at home in myself and even though it's been happening in spurts it's still happening and i'm so fucking grateful (laughs) I'm so grateful for this awareness and this patience and for meeting myself for the first time all over again, every time I inquire about myself with love, through love, every time I read a book with words that help guide me back to me, every time I ask my mom and my friends what I'm good at or how I'm special, they're all pieces of a puzzle that's been leading me back to little me. (laughs) And I just can't help but feel so grateful for the struggle I've been experiencing. I've been so down on myself, questioning everything from an adult perspective, putting all this pressure on myself, when in reality, all I have to do is sit and let little me do the talking. She doesn't work from a space of logic. She works from a place of play and love and laughter and dance and song and cut and paste and ooh, this is pretty. I can't put her in a box and tell her to make me money. (laughs) That's fucking crazy. I have to nurture her and put her to bed on time and feed her nutritious food and let her play. I have to let her play and flow and give her time to create whatever she wants to without an agenda. All this being said, these binaural beats go motherfucking hard. (laughs) look at all this clarity that just happened. Like what the hell? I had no idea all this would just spill out of me. This shit works. So that is what poured out of my vessel as I listened to these binaural
1: beats. After like a week, weeks, months of me trying to force
0: a creative process that I didn't know I was forcing, you know, like Even in making this podcast and making the logo and making the, the, the name and the colors and stuff like, and my coaching business that I haven't really pursued in any real way because I haven't gotten clear on what I even, what it even looks like or what it even, what I even wanted to mean or what I wanted to say. Like I've been trying to force this business and this, these, um, Checklist boxes of like how to build a brand. Like I'm trying to force it when, like, like, it just has to come. It has to unfold. Like I literally have to live the fucking podcast title. I have to let the perfection unfold in front of me. Unfold. 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 Today, after reading this chapter, chapter nine of the Artist's Way, it's it's called uh, "Recovering a Sense of Compassion." Bro, like. I came home and my job today was I was going to draft out some like I was going to I've been drafting out a colorway for a color palette for my brand for months and right now I have like I have one but I just know it could be better because it just doesn't quite fit because I want to combine the podcast with my coaching business like I want it to all be one cohesive thing. And so like I wanted to make sense and right now my coaching business and my podcast they don't they don't make sense together. And today I had some fucking epiphanies and I I've had some breakthroughs and I'm like unfolding unfolding paisley. Paisley is create is like literally like a Fibonacci sequence which paisley's been my favorite print since I was a kid. And I have this shirt in my closet that's covered in this beautiful paisley print with which is like a combination of flowers and unfolding flowers growing and paisley kind of looks like a seed and like seeds are, are growing and growing is unfolding. And like all these things just started like clicking into my brain and like color sequences started to make sense. And I was using ChatGPT to kind of help make sense of the thoughts that I was, I was coming up with. And it was just like this whole flow.
1: And I was, and next thing I know I was sitting on my couch for like four hours doing this work. And I was like, duh, you know? And I felt so connected to like, I was felt so connected to all these
0: things that I've loved since I was a kid and things that I love as an adult. And like, none of this stuff came from nowhere, right? This podcast didn't come from nowhere. These ideas didn't come from nowhere. They came from my insides, which came from what influences me on my outsides. And like all of it just kind of came together in this beautiful dance because I read that chapter, Recovering Sense of Compassion, it talks about your inner child and it talks about some of the things I spoke to in this brain dump. And I was just like, whoa, like I've been forcing this shit. Like, because I've been so concerned about, you know, I mean, I like my job that I'm in, but like my whole goal, goal is to work for myself. Like my goal is like to work for myself and to be to be sustainable and to make money doing things that feel good and helping people and all stuff and it's been money 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 how do i get to the money faster how do i get to the money faster
1: and that's not how creativity motherfucking works my guy
0: and all these videos like i told you last week what i do is i send myself videos throughout the week to kind of figure out what i'm going to talk about and all the videos i sent to myself this past week have all had to do with like to go fast we must slow down you know all and like unfolding has been like a topic that's just been coming up and coming up and coming up and I've been seeing Paisley everywhere. Like all this synchronicity has been happening and uh, it's crazy. And all of it just comes back to like, I'm trying to do this creativity work and like get to my creativity and creativity, creativity. And I'm totally bypassing little me. I haven't even invited her into the conversation, you know, and here I am a person who thinks that I've done all this inner child work, which I have, but my inner child is my inner artist. like. I haven't been going on my artist dates. You know, I haven't been spending any alone time with myself over the last month. Like I've been trying and I've been realizing how important being alone is and having time to just wander and to explore and to just have no agenda, right? And I did way more of that when I lived in Dallas because I had more of a routine and I'm just now getting back into routine. And I'm not mad at myself. Like I just got back here, like, of course, this clarity came today because I just talked about how I've gotten back to my 60 minute self care routine. And I've even added on to that where I've gotten back into my physical self care and my sleep self care and my food self care. Like all this stuff is coming back. So, guess what else is coming back? My creativity. Right? Isn't that fascinating how it's all holistic? It's all one thing. Um, and so that brings me into um, some of the insights that I after I was done writing this, this brain dump, and I was just like, whoa, and it made all these connections with like, how I had this money block and success block. And like, I'm trying to work on my creativity, but I'm doing everything except giving myself space to be creative. Um, and I was dealing all this week with all this imposter syndrome and all this like, what the fuck am I doing syndrome? And um, some insights that I that I wrote down kind of haphazardly in no specific order from this writing were, there's a direct correlation between your inner artist and your inner child. In fact, I believe they are the same exact thing. Up until this point in my life, I've treated healing my inner child and my inner creativity as two separate tasks. However, in my experience and through my research recently, I've discovered that you can both pursue inner child healing through creativity and creativity healing through inner child work. I've also said, in reading the artist's way, I believe you could replace artist with inner child anytime it's mentioned in the book and produce the same results for unblocking creativity and he- also healing and to treat them as separate is unhelpful to treat them as the same is transformational i wrote pursuing a creative life isn't solely for the people who who we deem quote unquote artistic or artists we are all artists because we have we all have an intrinsic desire to play and be creative and live outside the box that we've put ourselves in because of capitalism and or society at large, expectations of society at large. I dove into inner child work first, but since that is a much heavier topic to digest by itself, and maybe I'll do a full-blown episode on that in the future, I want to get into how we can heal our inner child through our pursuit of creativity and living a creative life, which the artist's way, that is what she's doing. Like that is exactly what she's doing but I'm just kind of framing it in this way for this specific episode. So again, I want to get into how we can heal our inner child through our pursuit of creativity and living a creative life. Um, I also said it might feel silly or possibly even terrifying to dive into inner child work head on. And it might be hard to see how not doing the work is hindering um, your everyday life. I think coming at the work from a perspective of unblocking creativity is way less intimidating and puts into perspective how not healing the creative child within you is actually the only reason you can't live the life of your dreams. Again, I'm saying some off the wall stuff, but just kind of go with me. I also put a note in here. Um, I said, note, if your childhood was less playful and more painful Then approaching healing from the perspective of coaxing out your childhood creativity and implementing it into your adult life might feel and seem impossible if you haven't addressed the pain and suffering you experienced as a child first. However, I do believe the work and information I'm about to talk about will help you. It's just up to you to decide when it's the right time to utilize them, these tools. Um, I also want to just double down on the fact that we are all on a journey and. I encourage you to use what resonates and leave behind what doesn't. So that being said, let's get into our deep dive. Let's go deep. I want to like make, make buns for my segments, but until we get there,
1: let's go deep. We'll just do them acoustic. <laughs> um,
0: so first things first, what and who is your inner child? Okay. Like I said before, we're not going to do a super big deep dive, but I do want to give you context of language, the language I'll be using in this episode, and the language I've been using in this episode. Even though I've mentioned inner child in uh, previous episodes, I'm going to get a little bit more um, detailed in this one. Um, so bear with me. If you already have the baseline knowledge, great. But if not, I did look up some articles that gave some, um, I think, pretty good descriptions. Um, so on PositivePsychology.com, I found an article. That um, was a little bit heady. Oh, you know. No, I'm lying to you. Uh, that was
1: the article I found on
0: the American Journal of Psychotherapy. This article, uh, positivepsychology.com um, talks about the inner child and it describes it like this. It says there, um, there's a wounded part deep within a person that may be unconsciously choosing to be in relationships with, with other hurt people. This is like giving examples of like how the inner child a wounded inner child shows up. Um, It goes on to say, and it may result from experiences they faced when growing up, feeling ignored, rejected, dismissed, or even abused, neglected, or traumatized. These wounds find an emotional space deep within, changing how clients see themselves and the world. It says, as we age, we find our well-being both in the present, i.e. environment, family, friendships, and career, and in our past life experiences, particularly our childhood. This inner child includes all of the past hidden ages that have made up one's life's journey. Um, A uh, a psychosynthesis of all ages, each developmental age, forming one part of our overall self. Maintaining our present well-being requires us to keep the quote-unquote best aspect of each age alive. Nurturing the child is essential to relating to ourselves. Um, so essentially like the inner child is every age you've ever been up until this point, essentially, or all the ages, um, that you can remember being a child, right? So there's probably some age that you would, you would probably in your brain think, oh, I was an adult from this point moving forward. Um, so it's like, it's basically the culmination of all the ages you've ever been as a kid. Like that is your inner child. Um, like there's inner, inner child you know, healing. There's inner teenager healing that I've been seeing, uh, people talk about. I mean, hell, you could be like inner you yesterday healing, you know, like <laughs> at some point, um, they're in your own mind. Like if you, this is at least for me, when I think of my inner child, like she's about five, five ish years old. She's got a really bad haircut. Like, cause when I cut my bangs off myself in the second grade and Based off of what I just wrote in the earlier passage, when I'm talking about my inner child, like in how I can't remember being creative past second grade, like that's not a coincidence. Like that's fascinating to me. That, and I'm putting those two and two together right now. Like, I never thought about it like that before until now, because it's only now that I'm doing this creative recovery work. Right, I never noticed it before because I was so on autopilot and th- you know thinking money, 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 money. That now I'm thinking about, oh, how do I live a creative life? And like, this has come up. Like, I don't remember being creative past the second grade. And how interesting is it that second grade me, which who I guess was about seven, five-year-old me was in about kindergarten, but so second grade me about seven years old. That's, that's my inner child. How fascinating. It's like, from that point on, I was like acting like an adult, you know, or like I had adult, I had adult uh, goals, you know, making money, Right. And from a child's perspective, obviously, um, this article goes on to say managing that internal attachment system regulates how we think, perceive, and behave feeling listened to, heard, and understood with a more positive evaluation of our life history can increase a sense of well-being and play an essential role in treatment and empowerment so essentially it's saying that like this inner child work is you going in to whatever age you know, you struggled with. Right. So it's like, again, if your childhood was more painful than playful, true inner child work is going in and, um, reframing what happened to you, releasing the shame about what happened to you. And, um, and I, I I actually found an article that talks about these tools. Um, yeah. Reframing your narrative, uh, relinquishing your shame and releasing your emotions and feeling the feelings that you've pinned up, that little you is pent up for all these years, right? And big you is... actually little you wants to cry them out and like feel the feelings, but big you is the one who suppresses them because it's too painful to deal with, right? So true inner child work is going in and basically like looking at what 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 little you went through, assessing the needs, and then giving little you those things as adult you now, like are reparenting yourself. That's essentially inner child uh, healing. Um article 2 that i found um on the american journal of psychotherapy it's a it's called reclaiming the inner child and cognitive Behavi- behavioral therapy um the complementary model of the personality so this one was a little bit headier but i think it, like the, the couple of the paragraphs that i pulled from here i think paint a good picture of what and who the inner child is um and bear with me if the language is a little bit too non pedestrian um I'll do my best to summarize in layman's terms, a.k.a. Kara speak. (laughs) That's my favorite thing to do is to read a heady article and to distill it down into like, yo, so basically what happened was, you know. Um, So it starts off, it says, this article explores the psychotherapeutic notion of an inner child in the context of the cognitive model and develops a theoretical foundation for this specific technique.
1: We're not going to get into the techniques, but we're just going to get into like, you know, the...
0: You know what I'm saying, so inspired by Beck's theory of modes and the principle of complement complementarity in quantum physics, the author presents a complementary model of the personality, in effect, a dual model consisting of two fundamentally different modes of inf- information processing. So basically, there's two modes to the brain of processing information. Mode one is a childhood uh, child mode. This mode corresponds largely to the mental state that appears during and after trigger events, as described by cognitive theory and characterized by the activation of dysfunctional belief systems. So child mode so your inner child, presents itself when you're triggered, right uh, Being triggered is essentially what, what hap- is, is essentially what happens when, like a deep wound of yours is hit by somebody like with by their words or their actions right so this this shows up in um the attachment theory right so anxious and avoidant attachment like somebody if you if you're an avoidantly attached person and somebody tries to get close to you that triggers your your fear that you're going to lose your personhood that you're going to lose your individuality like that they're going to consume you and you know what i mean like that's like your big fears that they're going to get that if you're vulnerable with them they're going to get so close that like it's going to trigger this wound that like, you're going to be suffocated, right? Because you might've had a parent who was a helicopter parent who suffocated you, who, may, who made you do things you didn't want to do, right? That's like your big fear. So that's like, that would, I would consider that as an example, as a trigger. So your child mode comes into play when you're triggered and that fear hits you. And so the child mode's like, it's remembering something that happened from when they were a kid and it's trying to protect you from the thing happening in your present, even if it's not helpful anymore, right? So that's essentially child mode. Adult mode is the mental state reached once this trigger mode processing style is deactivated. So adult mode is basically the you, adult you, who comes back into presence once your emotional reactivity has gone away. My favorite way to describe the inner child and an adult relationship is this. When you're... And I love, I hope I I don't, this is an analogy that I, as far as I'm concerned, like I made it up. I could have read it somewhere and it just seeped into my my unconscious and i just kind of pulled it out. So if it exists somewhere, don't, don't sue me. I'll give credit where it's due, but I, to my knowledge, I kind of, this is an analogy I kind of made up. So let's pretend like you're driving a car. Adult U has a license, right? Adult U knows how to drive. Adult U you took your driver's test. Adult you has been driving for decades, years, whatever it knows what it's doing. Adult you who's driving the car most of the time is cool, calm, collected, like has their head on straight, right? Next thing you know, like something in the, something like appears,
1: uh, let's say, so for instance, adult you, somebody flicks adult you off while you're driving, right? And if you're not healed, right?
0: Your inner child is like, Usually when you're driving and you're cool calm collected, your inner child is in the passenger seat, sleep. The inner child trusts you to take care of business. Like if there's a bump in the road, you'll take care of it. Um, if you're healed, like and someone flicks you off, like it's not gonna ruin your day. So like inner child can just like sleep through the car ride. Right? Like you're on a road trip, right? They're chilling, they're eating snacks, they're listening to music, they're hanging out. But if you don't have a if you haven't healed those inner wounds from childhood, if you haven't taken care of of little you, of inner child you, when someone flicks you off, adult you falls asleep at the wheel. Like, like adult, you falls asleep at the wheel. And as soon as you fall asleep at the wheel, little you is like, yo, 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 what the fuck? You're, you're not driving anymore. What the fuck? So little you like (laughs) takes over the driver's seat and starts driving. Right. Let's pretend like, let's not use like the flicking off example. That's like probably not good, but like if you're unhealthy, it's like, it's like you're driving drunk, right? It's like you don't have the clarity and like little you can't trust you to drive. So little you takes over the driver's seat and like starts weaving and waving across the road because they don't have a license. They're a child, right? And they're freaking out because you're asleep. Like you fucking fell asleep at the wheel because you got drunk and you're not healthy and you're not taking care of yourself. And so then- if you're in this triggered state, you're just driving like a maniac everywhere. And you're, you're running over people and you're running into buildings and you're hurting the people around you. Right. Little you can't trust you to take care of business. So little you takes over. Right. But as soon as that trigger is gone, that emotional weight is gone. And then that drunk, you you get sober again. Little you's like, all right, fam, like what the fuck? You know what I mean? I'm about to throw hands. Like, can I? And then little you is just like kind of always watching and waiting for like the next thing to happen. And that's hypervigilance. Right, and maybe that analogy helps you, maybe I butchered it. I think I've said it more eloquently in the past, but but I think I get the point across like a trigger is like the bumps in the road are when people you know comment on your weight if you 're insecure about your weight. those bumps the bumps in the road are or the people flicking you off are like the people who literally flick you off in traffic like if you are a hothead, if you are an aggressive driver, like that's little you like being triggered uh. By feeling like you're you're not respected, right? You're not like if somebody cuts you off in traffic, it might, it might trigger feelings of like, oh, like I'm not seen. I don't matter, people don't care about me, right? That, that's not a story you made up in your head. That's a story that little you made up in their head, but they're basing it off of, of, of the reality that they experience, like that the child in you experienced when they were a kid, right? Like you don't have compassion and reasoning when you're a kid. You have, oh, like my, my daddy yelled at me because I didn't pick up my socks from the floor. I must be a broken human. I must be bad. I must not be worthy of love. Like, you know what I mean? It's not, you don't have the, the knowledge when you're a kid that your your dad has PTSD and has nothing to do with you. You know what I mean? You equate you being the reason that they're angry, right? It's your personhood. It's your existence that is irritating, right? So that's what happens when you're triggered. When you're triggered, little you comes into play. It's what this article is saying. And then when that emotional wave kind of goes away, adult you comes back into play. That's essentially what it's saying. I hope I made that uh, less confusing than it probably was. <laughs> um, this article goes on to say, um, oh, it says, adult mode is in, is the mental state reached once the trigger mode processing style is deactivated. The author introduces a a twin mode protocol that offers a more user-friendly entry level than use, usual cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy protocols. Yeah, yeah, we don't care about that. Some therapists have advocated the notion of an inner child as a primary subconscious force. I think that's a good way to put it. It is your subconscious mind, essentially.
1: Um, if you're not aware of it. If you're not aware of your triggers. If you're not aware of what triggers you. If you're not aware of... um.
0: Even the positive parts of your inner child, like what you love and what you what you like to do, and like your create your creative side, um. Yeah, then it would be a subconscious force. Quite simply, inner child refers to the child the patient once was, and with whom the patient might, to some extent, have lost touch with on the way to adulthood. Very true. The objective is to help patients reconnect with this inner child to free themselves from maladaptive emotional and behavioral patterns. So again, when that, when that kid's, a, when, you, when you're asleep at the wheel, when an adult you is asleep at the wheel, that kid is cursing people out. That kid is having a temper tantrum. That kid is throwing things. That kid is yelling and screaming and trying to just do everything he can to get you to wake up, you know, to get the attention of the parent, to get the love from the parent, to get all that stuff. And even if, even if though you're grown up, like the inner of you is trying to get that same thing from adult you, because now you're the parent now of that relationship where it was once your actual parents when you were chi- when you were a child that it was trying to get that love and affection attention from, it's trying to get that from adult you now. And so that shows up in your adult life. Like, like, you know, if you ever, if you're ever in a, in an environment where like somebody just explodes for no reason, it seemingly like that's them being run in, in their car, their metaphorical car being driven by their inner child. Does it excuse the behavior? Absolutely not. But it sh- certainly explains it. Uh, <clears throat> and then it talks about how uh, this man, uh, John Bradshaw, he was an American educator and counselor and motivational speaker and author. Um, he said on a radio show in relation to inner child, the inner child that there's a compassion that comes when you look at a child. The idea of my grown up self taking care of nurturing, taking care of nurturing the wounded little boy in me that didn't have a father and went through a lot of pain and fear and emptiness and loneliness that has been enormously helpful. I think there's a child in all of us. Um, So that is kind of giving you the idea of who the inner child is, where they come from and kind of the role
1: that that they play in our everyday lives. Like if you haven't done any inner child work, like you might just start to notice like the things that trigger you. Like for me this past week,
0: which I'll speak I'll speak to what happened in next week's episode there was an instance where one of my coworkers really hit a deep deep childhood wound in me these wounds don't really go away like you can learn to work with them and you can learn to like love on them and to patch them up but but like and and maybe maybe they do go away but maybe I'm just not there yet and I I'm willing to admit that but some wounds just go so deep like it is really tough <laughs> and he hit one of my wounds that like of like, you know, I'm not worth being listened to, or like, I'm weird, or I'm not good enough, or like, he just hit a bunch of like, wounds that kind of all coincide together. um, um Just by saying some quippy little joke, but like, it hurt my feelings really bad. And normally, when, when I feel triggered, I have tools in place where like, I don't act out on them. Like, I don't let inner child take the driver's seat. I like, look at her, I'm like, I got this. I know that hurt your feelings, but we're not going to respond by having a temper tantrum and screaming yelling, they didn't mean it. You know, like I'm the parent to sit there and like talk little me off the edge of like having a, a panic attack, you know, freaking out. But in this instance, like I didn't have the capacity to do that. So like, admittedly, I, I, um... Responded in a quippy, jerky, meanie, meanie, meanie face kind of way. And I'm not proud of that. And I apologized
1: for that behavior a couple days later. And I'll get more into that next week. But, um, oh my God, I just lost my whole train of thought. (laughs) What the hell? I was on a roll. Oh my God. It's like I didn't stop talking for like 20 minutes. Um, whoa. Okay. What was I just reading? Mm. yeah it's gone it is gone 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 let's move on then <laughs> um oh i think i was just saying like if you've never done
0: any inner child work like you might just start observing when you get triggered like when you find yourself being irately mad know that that's that's probably not like a present day you thing. That's probably somebody just poking at a wound that was put there a long, long, long time ago. And so doing this work and meeting your inner child, even if it's painful, like even if it's like the scariest thing, it's just so empowering. And I've spoken about this before. It's so empowering reparenting yourself, right? Like you take your power back when you step in and say, no, I'm, I'm the adult now. Like I'm going to, give you everything you ever felt like you didn't get like I'm going to like, like from the simplest things of going to bed on time and eating nutritious food to the more complicated things of like of comforting your inner child when you've when you've been rejected right it's like it's not like a lot of most things that people do have nothing to do with you you know what I mean like you're I'm there to provide the context and the nuance even if she doesn't understand at least I'm there to like hug her and hold her and like give her the love that like she that she needs that she so desperately wants right and so I've kind of done that back end work, which has made it possible for, i think and more easy and more attainable for me to do this creativity work because. I've gone in and I've felt those feelings and I've, I've, I've met my inner child and I've, I've made peace with her. And I've been building my relationship with her for years now and building that trust. And it's, yeah, everything starts somewhere. Like I started this work in 2020 during, you know, a dark night of the soul. Like when, when I talked about, when I dated that narcissist guy, like after that relationship, everything came crumbling down around me and I had to like build myself back up, me and little me included. Like that shit was not fun at all but it was necessary and i did it because it's like i just could not keep going on the way i was going on like i couldn't keep living this numbed out unaware life like there just wasn't even an option i didn't have an option <laughs> my my mind my body my spirit wouldn't let me I, I i that was as far as it would let me go and i said okay i put my hands up i surrender you know that's what i'm kind of doing now to this creativity process it's like i'm i'm surrendering like me Little me like, like we're hand in hand usually, you know, and like, she's looking at me and it's kind of like, she has this secret and I'm just like, and I'm up here in my adult brain, just like trying to figure out with like math and logic and ego and blah. And she's just like waiting. Like she, she knows I'm going to, I'm going to come to her eventually. And she's just waiting, you know, just chilling. Like, you know, maybe I, it's time for me to teach you something, you know, you got all this adult brain stuff and you're teaching me all the time, but I've got something to teach you. And she's just been waiting for me to ask. She's just been patiently waiting. And I'm just so proud of her because I'm like, damn, you could have been having a tipper tantrum. And she low-key this week, I'm low-key, she was having one. Like adult me and little me were having a tipper tantrum because she was like, you're not listening to me. And I'm like, you don't understand. Money, 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 money. And she's like, listen to me. I'm about to have a bitch fit and I'm about to make you feel really bad if you don't shut the fuck up. (laughs) And I might sound insane right now. And I realize that but this is the process okay you have to trust the process and you know what healing inherently feels so goofy and silly and cringy and annoying but you know what I don't care bro because if this is what I have to do to get to the life of my dreams to get to the life of flow to get to a life of creativity to get to the life of ease and peace so be it my guy so fucking be it so moving on so that's kind of giving a background on what the inner child is, what inner child work kind of looks like, how the inner child kind of shows up. I hope I did an okay job of explaining that. Um, and for those of you who are like, okay, cool. I have no idea who my inner child is. I don't even know what that means. The idea scares the shit out of me, but like, I'm curious. I, I recommend you doing a inner child guided meditation. Now I did one of these when I was first starting off and it just make like if the concept of inner child is just kind of like what the hell are you talking about like i don't even understand how this works i just have a person living inside of me it's like not necessarily i recommend doing a inner child guided meditation to meet your inner child because i can talk about it in like theory and like you can hear about it intellectually but until you actually sit still
1: and Inquire and get curious about who they are and what they look like and what their wants are and what
0: their desires are, which I still have to continually do all the time. Like, I had to do that today. I didn't necessarily do a
1: meditation, but I had to slow down and be like, yo, what do I love? You know what I mean? Like, I had to ask myself the question, like, what am I passionate
0: about? I have no idea. Because I, adult me, I have no idea. But little me, they know, they've been knowing, they be knowing they've always known all you have to do is sit and listen that's it and so a guided meditation um i i linked one in the show notes i think it's the one that i did in 2020 i'm not exactly positive but it's got 3 plus million views um every everybody in the comments was like talking about how it was good i listened to the first part of it i'm pretty sure it's the same one that i did but i encourage you if you're curious like again follow the curiosity try it out and see what happens. And and honestly like it might take you a couple of tries. Like it is a, a meditating is really uncomfortable at first, especially if you are a highly anxious person who has a hard time sitting still. Like do not be surprised if this is incredibly difficult for you. Like if you've never meditated before and the next thing you know you're trying to meditate and meet your inner child at the same time, like it's okay. It might be a lot. Come back to it whenever you feel ready, whenever you feel called. You know, take a couple deep breaths whatever, like um, I wrote, I wrote in here, if you've never heard this concept or if you've always w- wondered how to meet your inner child or what even that means, please check out the inner child guided meditation video I've linked in the show notes. Again, you might feel silly at first or apprehensive. Leave all that ego junk at the door. I am telling you, whether you had an amazing childhood or a traumatic one, meeting the little you that lives inside of you is a transformative experience. You've heard me talk about my relationship with little Kara on the show, and now it's time that you meet little you. Whatever comes up for you during uh, and or after the guided meditation, I encourage you to write it all down so you can you can go back and read it. It's also way easier to dissect what you learned and like to make sense of it all if you write it all down. Um, if you hate the experience or can't make yourself get through the whole thing, you can always revisit at a different time when you feel ready. Again, everyone is on their own journey. I'm just here to share tools that have helped me, right? And that's what this all comes down to. Like this helped me get comfortable with my inner child. Like this helped me confront her, well, not confront her, but like to help her confront all of her issues. Like it's like
1: this kind of work, meeting them is the step one, right? You don't even have to ask them any questions at first. You just meet them
0: and like, I guarantee you, if you just sit and meet them, like you're gonna cry your eyes out. <laughs> At least that's what happened to me. Like, I w- don't be surprised if it's an emotional experience because you know, I've kind of I've kind of touched on this a little bit before, but like how you talk to big you is how you talk to little you. You know, and a big piece of healing big you is going back to little you and apologizing for all the shit the shitty things you've said to them, all the hateful shit you've said about them. Because even though you're not talking directly to little them, to little you, you and you're saying it to big you, it's, they're hearing it. You're the same person, you know? And so that's like, and that goes into like positive self-talk and like having compassion for yourself. Like you wouldn't just go to a little kid who wasn't you, you know, just randomly and be like, you're a fat piece of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? and if you do like bro you might want to reevaluate your priorities in life uh, and stop projecting your stuff onto them um but like as adults we normalize this kind of self-talk all the time we normalize you know this is like a topic i've kind of spoke to uh in the past and i'll probably speak more more about in depth in the future but like we normalize so much hateful speech when it comes to talking to ourselves and talking about ourselves Adult us, you know, and we forget that little us is just sitting there like, oh, that's how you really feel about me? Cool. You're just doubling down on all the wounds I ever got from all the adults in my life when I was a kid. So cool. I love that you're not on my side, you know, like, <laughs> bruh. And if you think about it like that, it's like, oh, shit. I really need to like watch my mouth. You know, like you watch your mother on other people's kids. Why wouldn't you watch your mother on your own kid? Right? Something to think about. So I encourage you to try that meditation. Um, again, if it resonates, dope. Like, congratulations, you you're on your way. You know, you're on your way. Like a lot of people I've met who I have talked briefly about inner child work, they're just like like some people who are self-aware, they'll be like, No, that's like the one thing I can't do. That's like the one thing I can't do. And I'm like, interesting. Very interesting. And then I've met other people who they're like, I feel like a very confident, like self-fulfilled adult. Like, you know, I feel like I've done all the things and and then I asked them, like, well, how to ta- how do you talk to yourself? Or like, you know, have you met your inner child? Like, have you addressed these wounds? Like, do you feel like you're on autopilot? Like your inner child's a big piece of that. I mean, at least for me. And if you relate to any of my story, like inner child work, if you haven't gotten into it, look into it. Get curious about it. Um, it'll change your life. I I tell you that much. Uh for the better. I mean the more information you learn like yes with more information quote unquote with more knowledge comes more sadness however like if you have all the cards in your hand then you can play a better you can play the game better you know if you know where all of your shit lies and how it lies and where it lies and what triggers it and then you can be a more empowered adult and you can then empower little you to be more creative and to play more and to trust you if they can trust you to take care of them bro, they're going to be as creative as humanly possible. They're going to be in flow state all the time. They're going to be jumping and jiving and dancing and singing. And because they are, so will you. And next thing you know, you're living this more fulfilled life that you've always dreamed of. And look at that. Everyone's happy. Everyone's healthy. Everyone's taken care of. Bada boom, bada bang, bong, bing. Right? That's my goal, (laughs) to put it in simple terms. So moving on. Getting into kind of the meat which wow, it's already been over an hour.
1: That's crazy. I have a lot to say. What can I tell you? It's a podcast, you know?
0: Um, So that's like, what is your inner child? Who is your inner child? Now I want to get into what is creativity? And I'm going to use the artist way as the baseline for most of this because it's just so fucking good. Okay. I just can't help it. The juice in this book is just like, mm, like there's a reason why people have been obsessing over it for ever since it's been out. So what is creativity? In this book, it says the basic principles of the artist's way and creativity, according to Julie Cameron, is she says, as you embark on your spiritual exploration for the first time in pursuit of creativity, or once again, return always to the basic principles of the artist's way and emerge as the artist you want to be. And again, I encourage you that you can replace and emerge as the artist you want to be as and emerge as the creative child you want to be, right? The basic principles of the artist's way, which gets into the basic principles of creativity. Number one, creativity is the natural order of life. Life is energy, pure creative energy. And to that I say, facts, sis, speak your truth. Come on, turn up. Creativity is the natural order of life. Yes, it is. We are all born from creation. Mm hmm. Sex, creative energy. Period. That's it. Sex is the most creative act you literally create life itself through sex. Isn't that fun? Love that. Um, Number two, there is an, an underlying indwelling creative force infusing all of life, including ourselves. That's what I just spoke to. We are literally creative potential energy in, we are personified creative energy. Number three, when we open ourselves to our creativity, we open ourselves to the creator's creativity within us and our lives. Editor's note, in the book she talks about creator energy. She's like you can call it god, you can call it spirit, you can call it whatever the hell you want to call it, but it is creator spirit. Like it is the spirit that is in everything and everyone always. And basically number 3 is speaking to like uh well I'll just read it again. When we open ourselves to our creativity, we open ourselves to the creator's creativity within us and our lives. So when we are opening ourselves to our creativity, we are letting the creativity of everything tap into us and through us, right? Like back in the whatever times, people didn't think that creativity was created from us. They thought that it was given to us and brought to us by muses, right? That's where like the muses in Greek mythology come from. Like if you if your muse visited you, right, and it then it was your job to like take that creative that creativity and like put it to paper. Like it wasn't you. You were just the vessel in which the creativity was was born. Right. And this is it's kind of speaking to that. Like we are tapping into the creativity of creation itself when we open ourselves up to our own creativity. We are a piece of that puzzle. I think that's fucking beautiful. Number four, and again, like choose to believe this, choose not to. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a messenger and I'm just giving you what resonates. Okay. Number four, we are ourselves creations, period. And we, in turn, are meant to continue creativity by being creative ourselves. We are ourselves creations. And we, in turn, are meant to continue creativity by being creative ourselves. Yes, creativity is relationship. Creativity is art. Creativity is speaking. Creativity is writing. Creativity is is like sex. Creativity is literally being alive in flow state is creativity to me. That's what I've decided. <laughs> Number five, creativity is God's gift to us. God being creator, spirit, source, energy, life force itself. Using our creativity is our gift back to God. Isn't that beautiful? It's an exchange. Everything's an exchange. I love that. Creativity is God's gift to us. Using our creativity is our gift back to God. There's this like famous Rick Rubin quote, or he's I think he's probably on like the Joe Rogan podcast or something. He's like, "It's all a gift to God. Like art itself is just a gift back to God." He's like, and once he started living it like that, everything, all creativity became so much easier, so much simpler, you know, because you're doing it in service. Um, number six, the refusal to be creative is self will, and is counter to our true nature. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm, which is essentially refusal to be creative is just your ego telling you not to be creative, and it's but it is counterintuitive to what we are actually naturally meant to be doing. Number seven: when we open ourselves to exploring our creativity, we open ourselves to God, which she says in the book stands for good, good orderly direction. When we open ourselves to exploring our creativity, we open ourselves to good orderly direction. Which, literally, synchronicity, okay? Every time I open myself up to exploring my creativity, to asking questions, to stop, every time I stop trying to control it and just let it be, let my questions hang, let my creativity just, like, show up,
1: it innately guides me in a direction that I know I'm meant to go, intuitively, every time. Every time. Isn't that interesting? Number eight,
0: as we open our creative channel to the Creator, many gentle, though
1: powerful changes are to be expected. As we open our creative channel to the Creator, to creativity,
0: to spirit, to the universe, to the energy, to life force, many gentle, though powerful, changes are to be expected. And my life is a perfect example of that ever since I started reading this book and doing the morning pages and my
1: artist dates. Look at me. Moved across the country. Into my relationship. You know, with sadness, with love. But it had to be done. I uh, got fired from my job but the day I was literally going to quit. right? Because I knew it wasn't meant for me anymore.
0: All these, these, Those are all powerful changes and they weren't super weren't gentle right but just the things that have happened in between those big um
1: what are they called uh something moments cannon cannonball moments right cannon moments
0: of my life The, the little things that have happened the little shifts that happened um as like those moments approached, which I didn't know they were approaching, but like I can look back to them and be like, oh yes, like this and this and this. It all connects together. You know, hindsight's 2020, 20, obviously. Um, but I have had some very powerful changes happen in my life over the last four months or a hundred plus days, and some and very, but like also very subtle, gentle things. Like today was very subtle and gentle, but incredibly powerful and incredibly impactful the work that I accomplished. Number nine. It is safe to open ourselves up to greater and greater creativity. It is safe to open ourselves up to greater and greater creativity. Number 10. Our creative dreams and yearnings come from a divine source. As we move toward our dreams, we move toward our divinity. Read it one more time. Our creative dreams and yearnings come from a divine source. As we move toward our dreams, we move toward our divinity. And that feels intuitively so true. And that's why I think I resonate so much with this book, is because she comes at creativity from a spiritual, divine space. And it just, it's the only thing that makes any sense to me, right? Because, like, I'm not a religious person, but I leave room in my life for the magic of being alive. And the magic of being alive is creativity itself, it
1: is creation. Right? Like miracles happen every day. Miracles are not uncommon. But they're awesome, you know? And they're usually
0: full of creative energy of some sort or synchronicity somehow or, you know, spirit, God, source, whatever you want to call it. Like there's just some
1: magical force that guides, I think, all of us, whether we know it or not. And um, you can call God if you want,
0: a spirit sort whatever life energy force whatever but i just i have to i have to acknowledge that it exists in whatever i call it like it exists and like it's very powerful and um that's why i like this book and if that resonates with you dope and if it doesn't also okay um moving on uh so that's those are the basic principles of the artist's way which are also like the basic principles in my mind of like creativity um, so next question, how do you know if you are creatively blocked? And in this book on page seven, I think she does a good job of explaining like how to recognize if you're creatively blocked, which if you're creatively blocked, guess what? Like you're blocked from your relationship with your inner child. It's all the same, right? Um, Page seven, let me find it. Oh, it's almost past my bedtime. I told myself I was going to go to bed early, but you know what? I told you I was going to give you a good podcast too, so priorities. Here we go. So how do you know if you were creatively blocked? In the book, she says, jealousy is an excellent clue, which I've said that before. Are there artists artists whom you resent? Do you tell yourself, I could do that, if only. Do you tell yourself that if only you took your creative potential seriously, you might stop telling yourself it's too late. Stop waiting until you make enough money to do something you'd really love. Guilty. Stop telling yourself it's just my ego whenever you yearn for a more creative life. Stop telling yourself that dreams don't matter, they're only dreams and that you should be more sensible. Guilty. Stop fearing that your family and friends would think you're crazy. Also guilty. Stop telling yourself that creativity is a luxury and that you shouldn't that you should be grateful for what you've got. Also guilty. I'm pretty sure I've done all of these things. <laughs> I know I'm creatively blocked. I know I've been creatively blocked, but I finally stopped fearing that my family and friends would think I'm crazy. They know I'm crazy and I don't care. (laughs) Um, I also stopped telling myself that my dreams don't matter. Like they absolutely do. My dreams do matter. They're there for a reason. And it's important for me to make little me, artist me, big me to make our dreams come true. So those are some ways that you can probably tell that you are creatively blocked and or blocked from your inner creative child. Um, It says, as you learn to recognize, nurture, and protect your inner artist, aka your inner creative child, you will be able to move beyond pain and creative constriction. You will learn ways to recognize and resolve fear, remove emotional scar tissue, and strengthen your confidence. And she's talking about emotional scar tissue when it comes to your creativity, but like that could have literally happened when you were seven years old in English class and you wrote your first essay and your teacher said it was garbage, you know, or it could have, you could have been in junior high and you auditioned for a play and you got some really negative feedback and you never sing again, again,
1: right? Like that inner, that inner you that was, wants to sing, like it's still, they're still there. The person in you that still wants to write,
0: the little creative kid who, who like loved writing before that teacher shot them down, like, it's, they're still there you know and that's what this work is all about um it says damaging old ideas about creativity will be explored and discarded working with this book you will experience an intensive guided encounter with your own creativity your private villains champions wishes fears dreams hopes and triumphs the experience will make you excited depressed angry afraid joy joyous hopeful and ultimately more free literally my whole life the last four months I have experienced all of that, like,
1: including grief. I mean, Jesus. Um, so that brings me into... Um, oh, I, like,
0: I just answered that question. So what does it mean to recover recover and rediscover your creativity? And that's what I just read. Um, As you learn to recognize, nurture, and protect your inner to artists, you will be able to move beyond pain and creative constriction. Which there's also a quote on this page, on the page right before, I think... Um, where Julia Cameron says, serious art is born from serious play. And I think that's beautiful because like as adults, we're always so serious. We're always like money, money, money. I got to pay these bills. I got to do this, which all important. I'm not negating the fact that those things still need to happen. However, like we prioritize what's important to us, right? So it's like if living a more creative life and having connection to the inner, the inner child within you is important, you're going to make time for it, right? serious art is born from serious play like if you especially if you're if you want to be an actual literal artist okay you have to prioritize play you have to prioritize this work like there's no getting around it like you can't just grin and bear bear your way into making good art it doesn't work like that because your creativity comes from your inner child it's the same thing right if you're not connected to your inner child you cannot be connected to your your adult artist right or you you could just be making bad art you know, or less authentic art, I guess, which if that's what you want to do, go for it. But that is not on my list of things to do. So that being said, what are the tools for recovering and rediscovering your creativity? Again, using Julia Cameron's book, um, two primary tools, which I've talked about before, but I'm going to go a little bit more in depth about here. I've talked about it, my experience with the morning pages and with the artist dates, but I'm going to quote some more stuff from the book. So you have a little more context. Literally this podcast is just turning into me reading you articles and books and you know what it's fine you keep listening right you like it you like my little commentary right <laughs> validate me um okay so the morning pages is number one it is a primary tool for creative recovery i.e inner child healing they go hand in hand like there is no this the, the morning pages is going to help you with both at the same time i promise you that much um the benefits it drops you out of your logical brain and brains and lets you free flow first free flow right first thing in the morning it gets you to the other side of your fear of your negativity and of your moods um, morning pages gives you the opportunity to explore the musings of your mind without judgment or second thought it's also a practice in play in uncovering the unconscious thoughts you don't normally have to have access to literally the morning pages for me look like some days, <laughs> most, day, most, I mean, most days, if I'm struggling with like an adult problem, like for instance, someone's pissing me off at work, or like in the past, you know, like I would nitpick my partner, in my morning pages, like first thing in the morning, because like, you know, maybe they said or did something that like annoyed me. But then, like, because it's like there's a set amount of pages you have to write almost always, almost always about and i've said this before about halfway through it turns from me nitpicking and me being like critical of myself or or other people or situations or whatever into like a stream of consciousness of like gratitude writing almost like i'm speaking directly with my inner child or with directly with god or source or whatever you want to call it or my higher self if you will and i just tap into this like gratitude setting of like uh, with compassion with like if if, if that other person did something that irritated me like by the end of the passage I'm like they're probably having a bad day and honestly like if it's really that important to me like I'll have a conversation with them and but I'm going to meet them with love and kindness because that's how I, how I want to show up and you know they're like it just my whole brain just switches from like ego brain to like yo being alive's kind of dope I love the people I'm I'm surrounded by I'm loving how I'm showing up. If I'm not living how I'm showing up, I forgive myself for not, and I'm going to move forward in this way. Like it's a check-in, and I went into depth about how the check-ins are important and how it forces you to talk to yourself. Um, but what she goes on to say in the book is that the morning pages are non-negotiable when it comes to doing the work, and I would agree. When it comes to doing the creative unblocking, and when it comes to healing your inner child, like if you're interested in both do the morning pages. If you're interested in either, do the morning pages. If you're interested in one or the other, do the morning pages because it is consciousness, stream of consciousness writing. Like it is going to get you to the depths of your mind, right? Which who lives in the depths of your mind? The inner child, inner creative artist inside of you. She says, never skip or skimp on morning pages. Your mood doesn't matter. The rotten thing your censor ego says doesn't matter. We have this idea that we need to be in the mood to write. We don't. That is so true. So many mornings I've shown up and I've just not wanted to write. And like sometimes I've just waited till the end of the day to write. But then I am just like, no, it's not negotiable. Like I don't care if it's midnight. I'm writing these motherfucking morning pages, bro. Like I said I would. I'm going to. Turn up, you know. She, she says morning pages will teach you that your mood doesn't really matter. Some of the best creative work gets done on the days when you feel that everything you're doing is just plain junk. The morning pages will teach you to stop judging and le- just let yourself write. So if you're tired, crabby, distracted, stressed, your artist is a child. Um, She said, sorry, I read that wrong. She said, so what if you're tired, crabby, distracted, and stressed? Your artist is a child that, and it needs to be fed. I love that analogy. It goes hand in hand with what I'm speaking with. Your artist is a child and it needs to be fed. You have to take care of your child. You are the parent now. Morning pages feed your artist's child. So write your morning pages. This is like if your kid woke up and you decided not to feed at breakfast and you just let them go to school. You were totally setting them up for failure. Well, And then you expect them to produce like anything. You're insane. You're dumb, dumb. You're silly goose you're not dumb. I I take that back. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Um, the rule is to write three pages of whatever crosses your mind. If you can't think of anything to write, then write, I can't think of anything to write. Do this until you have filled three pages. Do anything until you have filled three pages. I'm telling you, like, once you get to that last page, it's like a, like, at least for me, at least for me, like a shift
1: switches, wait, a switch flips. Am I dumb? A switch flip, a switch flip.
0: You know what I'm trying to say? A flip switch. I don't know what the hell I'm trying to say. Something happens and you switch over into like a different brain mode. I swear to you, like it's like you go straight from conscious brain, like ego, 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 into like you uh, you dive deeper on that third page. And it's probably not going to happen at first. Um, it might take some time. I think it took me like at least 30, 30 days to get into that. I think my first thirty days I was just like. I'm going to keep writing because I told myself I'd write and writing is going to help me blah, 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 you know, just nonsensical, but it's important because you need to brain dump the things that are in your head so it can make room for the things that you're trying to get to. So those are the morning pages. You write three pages every day, no matter what, non-negotiable to feed your artist child within you. That is how you feed your artist child. Uh, tool number two is the artist date, right? So this is what are the tools to recovering and rediscovering your creativity. Number two, the artist date, i.e. the inner child date. She says in the book, think of this combination of tools in terms of a radio receiver and a transmitter. It is a two-step, two-directional process, out and then in. Doing your morning pages, you are sending. You're notifying yourself and the universe of your dreams, your dissatisfactions, and your hopes. By doing your artist date slash inner child date, you are receiving, opening yourself to insight, inspiration, and guidance. Love this today. I literally, I wrote my morning pages, and then I decided that my artist date this week, or you know, um, I guess technically for last week, because um, I'm I'm pretending like today was part of my weekend was I went to the coffee shop, I got my decaf coffee and I sat and I read and like that was part of my alum time. That was part of my artist date. I couldn't really afford to go and do anything this weekend because I'm trying to be frugal and save my money. So it's like you have to get get in your your time where you can Um, I let myself read a magazine that was on a table. I let myself take pictures and like my brain started going crazy. I started looking up I found this, these photographers in this magazine who are local. And then I went and looked at their Instagram and that inspired me and gave me some ideas. And then I found who designed their website. And then I just kind of went on this whole deep dive of like, look, like finding inspiration and like, um, tools and, um, tools and examples of like something that I'd be interested in creating for myself, which I thought, great. Like that's, that was what my artist date was. It gave me it, it inputted. I was receiving inspiration and guidance, whereas my morning pages, I was sending all the things. Right? Um, she says this is an opportunity for, uh, for an artist date. This is an opportunity for you to spend quality time alone with your inner artist, aka your inner creative child. Um, in its most primary form, the artist date is an excursion, a play date that you pre-plan. And defend against all interlopers. You do not take anyone on this artist date but yourself. That means no lovers, friends, spouses, children, etc. An example: This coming weekend, I planned um, I will be taking myself on an artist date to get a my aura picture done. I've been wanting to get an aura picture for like years at this point. Ever since I found out about them, uh, I was going to do one in Dallas, but I just never found time. So. On Instagram, I saw this like aura picture thing and I was like, oh yeah, I wonder if there's one around here. And I found one in LA. So I'm taking myself to LA to get my aura picture done. And then I also remembered and I came across, um, uh, so uh, an artist that I follow, Queen Herbie, she posted pictures on her story. She's an artist that I look up to. She's always talking about art and how we need your art. And she's been a big inspiration for my creativity in the last uh, two, two, three-ish years as well so I follow her and like I'm always looking at the things she's doing well there's this art amusement park called Luna Luna in LA that I was like oh my god she went to it and I saw it and I looked it up and of course it was originally um, showcased in Germany like 36 years ago and I was like I'm obsessed with Germany lots of German themes have been popping up in my life recently like Austria Austria movies set in Austria that I didn't know were set in Austria like all these things have been popping up so I'm like oh my god like this again synchronicity so, and it happens to be open the day I'll be getting my aura picture taken. So I'm going to on an artist date, literally to an art museum, to an art installation. um, And then I'm getting my portrait taken. So it's like, and I'm going by myself and I'm going to dress up and I'm going to take myself out on a, on the state and I'm going to wander and explore and ooh and ah and take pictures and it's going to be lovely. And I I'm doing it for no reason. Like I'm not going... For any reason except for the fact that I want to. And I think it'll be cool. And I'm interested in it. And I think that's kind of the energy that she's speaking to when she's like planning these dates. Like, don't invite friends. Don't invite your partner. This is you time. And I honestly, like, I started without knowing it, I kind of intuitively started doing this when I was in college, when I started going to the movies by myself for the first time. I remember going to the movies by myself, um for the first time, maybe like my my sophomore or junior year, or maybe even my freshman year. And I realized like, that was the place that I could go to like cry my eyes out. If I ever needed like a good release, I would just go to the movies by myself, watch a sad movie, cry. And then I'd be like, Oh, okay. I'm refreshed. You know, like that was my kind of time, my me time. Right. Cause I had a, I always had roommates, you know, or I didn't always have roommates, but I was always just around people. And, um, this is before I even knew I was a sensitive person, which, can you believe it? Dear God. Um, the awareness that I have come have come to know. Um, so that's an artist date. Um, it's just you, right? And that's my example of an artist date that I'll be going to this Saturday. Which, for privacy purposes, I didn't tell you what time I'm doing any of that stuff. So don't be waiting for me. I'll call the cops on you. Um. I said I put it in here. It's an art amusement park I saw on Instagram of an artist I love, and I've been wanting to check it out. I made a plan, put it in my calendar, and have blocked off the whole day to spend with myself doing my favorite thing: wandering around. That is what I have come to realize is my favorite way of spending time with myself. It's like I love wandering. I love looking at pretty things. I love not having an agenda. I love like that's when I feel most creative, most alive when most of my ideas come to me because it's like, that's what I love to do as a kid. I just love to ask questions and to be silly. And um, and I even put in here, no, this can be scary if you don't normally spend time alone, especially with your inner artist slash inner child. And you'll likely try to make excuses like I'm too broke or this feels silly to get out of it, but don't do that. It's so important. She says in the book, your inner artist needs to be taken out, pampered, and listened to. Your artist is a child. Time with a parent matters more than money's spent. A visit to a great junk store, a solo trip to the beach, an old movie scene together, a visit to the aquarium, or an art gallery. These cost time, not money. Remember, it is the time commitment that is sacred. And that is the point that she drives home over and over and over again with this work, with the artist Date is like, It's not
1: about how much money you're spending. It's about who you're with and the time spent. And who you're with is yourself. And
0: that's incredibly important, is to spend time alone with yourself. Not just reading, not not having something to do by yourself, not working on a project, not listening to a podcast. Just being with yourself. Wandering doing something playful, being creative, treating yourself to some of your favorite things. And if that's, you know, listening to podcasts and doing all that stuff, that's fine. But you get my point. Like no agenda. You can't have an agenda unless that agenda is in the form of playing, right? And doing things that you you love to do. Okay. So it says, and here's, she goes on to say, spending time with your artist child is essential to self-nurturing. A long country walk, a solitary expedition to the beach for a a sunrise or sunset, your artist might enjoy any of these. Or your artist might enjoy bowling. (laughs) Doesn't matter. A little fun can go a long way toward making your work feel more like play. Which I love that rhymes. A little fun can go a long way toward making your work feel more like play. See, I just played making that song. We forget that the imagination at play is the heart of all good work. Turn up. That is literally artists... That is what makes an artist an artist, is somebody who can tap into your imagination, right? And in the book, she has two quotes, one by Stephen uh, Nakmanovich, and he says, the most potent muse of all is our own inner child. Mm. And then a quote by Pablo Picasso, every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once he grows up. This literally just drives home my point. Like inner child healing and creative healing, same thing. Inner creative healing, inner child healing, same thing. The morning pages acquaint us with what
1: we think and what. Oh, sorry. The morning pages acquaint us with what we think and what we think. What the heck? Okay, yeah. The morning pages acquaint us with the thing that we think we need, with the things we think we need. We identify problem areas and concerns. Okay, bro. I think I just... Okay, I read this wrong. Take four. (laughs) The morning pages acquaint us with what we
0: think and what we think we need. We identify problem areas and concerns. We complain, enumerate, identify, isolate, fret. This is step one. Analogous... And Analo- now, I don't know how, to know how to say that word.
1: And Analo- now, oh, Jesus Christ, hang on. Bruh. And a bruh button, bruh. Analogus? I don't know how to freaking say this word. Hang on. I'm about to have the internet say it for me. Oh, of course I can't hear it because my headphones are in. Dang it! It spells enalegus. Inaleg- in a Lagos.
0: whatever basically it's uh, this is step 1 essentially it's the same thing as prayer the course of the the course of the release endangered by your artist's date oh my god i am an idiot bro why it must be past my bedtime cuz i am just flubbing all these words jesus christ these are layman terms and i am butchering <laughs> again take five The morning pages acquaint us with what we think and what we think we need. We identify problem areas and concerns. We complain, enumerate, identify, isolate, and fret. The course of the release engendered by our artist state, step two, we begin to hear
1: solutions. Right. So morning pages, step one, where we get all the things out. Artist date is where we
0: start to get. It's the step two is where we start to hear solutions. Perhaps equally important, we begin to fund the creative reserves we will draw on in fulfilling our artistry, aka pursuing our dreams and creating a more aligned, integrous, and creative life. So the artist date is basically where we fill our well, right? The morning pages is where we like spill all the things, and the artist date is where we can fill ourselves back up. So those are the two big tools that the artist that are talked about in the artist's way for recovering your creativity which I am also saying is a way to recover and reconnect with your inner child because I think that it's the same thing I think it's the same work and I also feel like like I said before approaching inner child healing through this work of creative unblocking I think is way more approachable than like dealing with it with your inner child healing like head on like I just feel like it can be kind of scary if you're not ready for that but I think that if you're doing this creative work a you can see results immediately and it's also a kind of a it's kind of a workaround to be able to massage that I hate the word massage but you get what I mean to massage the knots of that relationship out a little bit more in a more fun way right which I'm all about I'm all about doing things more fun no more fun way So the last thing I'll say is um, there are some other steps to take in healing your inner child. And I found this article on psychology today. A lot of the articles were giving very specific like journal and ask questions about this and do this, which you can Google that on your own. I didn't want to get that nitty gritty into it. But I think this article covers the three main things that you could address when and that you could address when dealing when healing your inner child that will be most beneficial to you. These are the these are the overarching birds I view, right? And um and this this article it's called the three ways to heal your inner child. Reframe, relinquish and release your emotions to recover from childhood trauma. Um and again, these are for the my these are for my people who who aren't just trying to tap into their creativity with with their happy inner child. Like these are for the people who maybe step 1 is like You know, step one isn't asking your little inner child to be more creative, right? To play more because maybe they didn't play when they were kids, right? Maybe they had a very tumultuous childhood, right? But there is that creative energy in there, regardless. Like you were born with this creative energy, you were made of creation. What happened when you were traumatized as a kid is that somebody took that away from you. They told you it was bad and it was no good, but you still had it in the first place. So, we're trying to recover that creativity, but maybe to get there, you have a couple more obstacles. And this article kind of addresses what you can do to get through those obstacles and and meet your, creati- your creative inner child again, right? Because you might have to go through your, your traumatized child first. You might have more than one inner child. We have lots of inner child. Again, your inner child is the combination of every child, every age you've ever been, right? So this could sound daunting, but I promise you like one step at a time, it's going to be okay. So um, this article is written by Mark uh, Travers, PhD. He's an American psychologist with a degree from Cornell University and the University of Colorado Boulder. He says, step one, uh, one of the three ways you can heal your inner child is to reframe your narrative. Um, and the article says, people who are able to, to um, situate a traumatic experience within a broader life narrative are more likely to experience post-traumatic growth. Instead of looking back on your past with a sense of powerlessness, Think about all the times you pulled yourself out of difficult situations. Regardless of how abnormal or difficult it may have been, your childhood shaped you to become the resilient person you are today. Many successful people have endured less than perfect childhoods. Use that as inspiration that it is possible to heal and flourish after surviving a painful childhood. So reframe your narrative. This is not to invalidate your pain or to or to um, bypass it. It's to empower you. Like you have conquered every bad day you've ever had. It's that kind of mentality. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's to try to come from a place of not gr- gratitude for going through those hard things, but gratitude for who you are in spite of what you've been through. Right. So that's, that's step one. That's, so this is the, these are like three steps that are broad. Right. And you can narrow down, you can get to that and like, look up, you can look up tools and, and um, and ways to to do that reframing work. Maybe you seek a psychologist. Maybe you seek therapy. Um, a caveat to all of this is that you know seeking therapy is is put into all of this. Like, don't be afraid to reach out to a qualified mental health pr- practitioner to help guide you on your healing journey. Right? Because this is not this is not easy, fun, happy do work. This is like you're sitting through the shit. You know. So uh, the second way you can help heal your inner child is to relinquish your shame. It says one study published in the Journal of Counseling Psychology conceptualized shame as an assault on the self in which a person's self-concept, sense of power, and control come under attack. The author suggests that people are most likely to bounce back from feelings of shame when they embark upon a process of self-reconstruction, prioritizing emotions such as acceptance, understanding, connecting, and refocusing. Let that shit go. Right? And, you can, and it's saying in here, you can do that by accepting, understanding, connecting, and refocusing
1: what happened to you and or how you dealt with it and or how you're still dealing with it. You know, all of our coping
0: mechanisms, maladaptive or not, were put in place to protect ourselves at some, at some point in time. I think the work of becoming an adult is, is realizing that the threat that was there when you are a kid isn't there anymore. So it's like, you don't need to use the same coping mechanisms. You don't have to cope in the same unhelpful way with the same unhelpful behaviors, right? You can put them down. But first you, you probably have to reframe your, reframe your narrative and or put down your shame. There's nothing to be ashamed about. You didn't cause any of your, tra- any of your trauma. You were a child. You were a baby. You were just trying to survive. Okay? Again, seek counseling if you think that that's appropriate for you. Um, way number three you can help he- heal your inner child is to release your emotions. I don't have the re- the uh, the research to back this up in the moment, but I do follow a number of people on the internet who are uh, naturopathic oncologists and or doctors and other kinds of doctors
1: who talk about how repressed emotions are... And like repressed trauma, repressed emotions from trauma,
0: is like what causes autoimmune disease, right? And it's some of them are like what causes inflammation in the body, right? Like stored emotions, stored trauma, can cause so much inflammation in the body that it causes autoimmune disease, bro. It, diseases that you don't even know where they come from or how to get or how to get rid of them. That just your brain just starts attacking itself because you have so many emotions released in your body um the article says though however uh, much of your current negative thinking and emotions can likely be traced to the deep wounds from your childhood when there was perhaps no opportunity to express them freely and without judgment however it is never too late to let them out don't be afraid to lean on your support system when you need to or bask in self-reflection as you try to heal feeling an unbridled release of deep emotional pain is part of the healing process embrace it without judgment literally let yourself feel your feelings whether you have trauma or not like like you know deep trauma like things if you have made it a habit to not ever feel your feelings in any capacity bro you gotta let that shit go like it is not helping you right whether for your inner child and for adult you like but your inner child if i imagine if you have these maladaptive coping mechanisms all those feelings, they still live in you if you've never released them. They're still there. That's why you're still probably really angry or really sad or depressed or repressed. Like Some of those emotions, they're not even currently what you're actually feeling. They're from a long time ago. Like You might have a good life right now, but if you never released that and you never connected with your inner child or let them grieve in the way that they needed, that's your job to do that work for them now you know? So those outside of this creative, this creativity unblocking and using that as a tool to help heal your inner child, you can do, you, these other three things will also help in the grand scheme. And again, please seek out like specific, um, questions to ask yourself or therapies, do the guided meditation. Um, all of these are tools to help you get back to little you to inner you. Oh my God, I went two hours again. Jesus Christ. And to think I thought I was going to make this episode short. Okay, that wraps up our deep dive. Our deep dive. And I'm going to leave you with some affirmations that I was just, I felt called to just say to myself. And again, I invite you to hear them for yourself. Um, if you, if they resonate um, based off
1: of what we talked about today. And they go a little something like this. I am a creative being. I nurture my inner artist child. I respect my inner artist child. I take care of my inner
0: artist child by creating space and time for her to play and thrive in.
1: I release the pressure I put on myself to create output. I create for the sake of it. I create because I can. I love how creative and playful
0: I am. I love how my relationship with the artist child within
1: me is unfolding. I love the perfection unfolding in my life. I love the synchronicity showing up in my life. It feels good to share the things I'm learning. I feel grateful for the
0: opportunities I'm creating for myself to play and be seen and be heard. I love doing things that, I, that scare me. I love me. Thank you. And thank you guys for listening. This has been another episode of Perfection Unfolding with me, Kara G. You know the drill. Rate this podcast five stars. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate and review it. Help boost it. Share it with a friend. If it was helpful for you in any way, share, share, share. Like, like, like. Keep listening. I'm so grateful for you. Um, I'm slowly starting to see kind of an uptick in listeners, which is really cool. Um, So you're not the only one listening, okay? But you are still special. You're one of my firsts. Love that. Um, follow the pod on Instagram at Kara G Campbell. I mean, follow me on Instagram at Kara G Campbell. Um, follow the pod at Perfection Unfolding Pod on Instagram. Follow us on YouTube at Perfection Unfolding with Kara G. And if you want to write into the show, you can send me an email at perfectionunfoldingpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Any feedback is good feedback. I am all about making the show better. If you like the long episodes, let me know. If you want them shorter, let me know. Um, this just kind of keeps happening because I just, today I had a big old flow of a download dump. So um, thanks again for listening. I love you so much. Tune in next week and I will talk to you then. Okay, bye.
1: <laughs>